Good morning and welcome to The Morning Fix. I'm Julie Dye and I'm here with my co-host, Amy Shepard. Good morning. The Morning Fix is a podcast series brought to you by the 510K Cafe. We interview medical technology leaders to discuss trends, innovations, and the future of marketing and communications in the medtech industry. Today, we're speaking with Michael Johnson. Michael has moved up the ranks at Abbott and now serves as the Divisional Vice President of Diversity and Inclusion. We're really looking forward to catching up with Michael today and hearing more about Abbott's work in this area. Welcome, Michael. Hi, how are y'all doing? Hi, Michael. Welcome. Our listeners love to hear about our guests' backgrounds. Can you start by telling us about yours and how your path brought you to Abbott? Sure, sure. I joined Abbott in 1999, if you can imagine that, almost 23 years ago. I'm just a few weeks away from that. And I joined as a recruiter at our headquarters in Chicago. In 2000, I moved to the Bay Area to work in one of Abbott's diagnostics businesses as a compensation compensation specialist, excuse me, and generalist uh, across, uh, across that site. From there, I transitioned into generalist human resources, leadership roles, and have worked in multiple Abbott businesses. During my tenure, I've had a chance to work in pharma, diagnostics, and medical devices, and I've lived and worked with Abbott in California, Texas, Illinois, Singapore, and Switzerland, and I feel extremely blessed for the types of opportunities that I've had at Abbott. Uh, I'm a graduate of the University of Illinois, where I received a, a degree in organizational administration. And, you know, generally I try to be active in, in civic and professional organizations. I've served on volunteer boards for Habitat for Humanity, Oakland Youth Symphony Orchestra, Methodist Youth Services of Chicago, uh, participated in a variety of different HR professional organizations like Caliber or SHRM. And, and really, look, I, I joined HR because I have this intense desire to solve people problems. Um, as I matured, I began to see how technology really increased competition between every company and brought capabilities of companies closer together, and that human capital was a key differentiator in how people and companies were successful. At Abbott, I've seen teams achieve everything from developing life-changing medicines to creating breakthrough medical technologies that can fight a global pandemic. All of these efforts are powered by science, but also by people. And you know, our goal here at Abbott, especially within, no matter where you are, I should say, here at Abbott, uh, especially nowadays, is to ensure that every single employee can contribute to their fullest potential so that they can help others live their fullest life. So yeah, it's a great workplace, great opportunity, and I'm really happy that I've been able to benefit from it at Abbott. 23 years. That is impressive. (laughs) Uh, You know, those of us in our generation, that's pretty rare. Um, we've, you know, so many of us have skipped around from company to company. So congratulations on that. And I know that Abbott has really 
um, helped you grow in your career. And that really brings us to where you are today, which is the Divisional Vice President of Diversity and Inclusion. We'd love to hear more about that role. And um, is that a new one to Abbott? And we'd love to just hear about what your focus areas are for the company. Great, great. Yeah, sure. Happy to share that. Well, Abbott's always had an executive or corporate leader focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion issues. You know, my history with diversity and inclusion at Abbott goes back pretty far. You know, I mentioned I've been an employee for almost 23 years, but 25 years ago, I was an intern in this company, and I was an intern working for someone that was leading diversity and inclusion. So I have a really, really unique perspective, I guess, on Abbott's journey around diversity and inclusion. Uh, I moved here to take this job a little over a year ago from Abbott's Diabetes Care Division in California. I, I actually moved in spring of 2020. And I'm now at Abbott's global headquarters in Chicago. And I'm the first DVP, the first divisional vice president, reporting to the corporate head of human resources, or CHRO, tasked with focusing solely on DNI. And I'm responsible for the global strategy around diversity and inclusion. I'm the primary company-wide communicator around our initiatives. Um, but really at Abbott, diversity is something that we're all responsible for. Uh, it's it's embedded in our values. It's how we do our work. And we like to say diversity is fundamental, fundamental in our business models. We have a really diverse healthcare company. It's fundamental in our mindsets. And most importantly, it's fundamental in our people. It's core to, our, to us fulfilling our purpose. And it's, it's, it's key to our long-term success. You know, when you're a company operating in a, a 160 different countries, it's it has to be more than just a, a moral virtue. It it really is embedded into the way we work. We believe diversity fuels creativity. Creativity drives innovation, and innovation produces life-changing technology. Research shows that diverse teams lead to more innovative and successful work. Diverse perspectives inspire new ways to address challenges, and that translates to the best and creating better life-changing technologies. This helps Abbott fulfill our purpose. It's the reason why we have had this long-standing commitment to diversity to help people live fuller lives. About 10,000 employees in Abbott, they participate in one of 10 or sometimes multiple employee networks or employee resource groups people talk about um, that are open to every employee globally. These networks include things like um, networks representing Blacks, women, Latinx professionals, LGBTQ plus professionals, Asians, veterans, peoples, people with disabilities, and uh, women in STEM. Yeah, no, I think the one interesting thing, Michael, 
with respect to medical uh, device and uh, diversity is it, medical device is affects everyone. And I think it's, it's a natural sort of path to go down with regards to diversity issues and inclusion. And, um, and thank you for, for giving that, that update and um, background on, on Abbott's um, efforts in this area. And I wanted to talk a little bit more um, about the commitments that um, Abbott has made in particular to clinical trials. Could you speak to this a bit more? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, we've had a few Abbott leaders talk a little bit about innovation and the importance of innovation, but uh, multiple. You know, they they never really leave that conversation without talking about access, because innovation without access does not benefit everyone. And so, yeah, absolutely, we believe healthcare, uh, the best healthcare product, is one that helps the most people. And, um, you know, we're, we're focusing around diversity and inclusion in clinical trials and in healthcare as part of our sustainability plan, because we know that we have this unique opportunity with clinical trials to, 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 to support it in a way that supports diverse populations, but more importantly, populations that are representative of all the different people that we serve. So I guess the first question, why? Why do we, we focus on this? Um, clinical trials are the foundation of bringing new medical devices and medication and therapeutic approaches to people that need them. Um, but currently, when you start looking at minority groups, uh, underrepresented minorities, they, they are just not represented in clinical trials at the level that they should be, at the levels in which they show up in our population or at the levels in which um, they need the products that are being created. And this is contributing and exacerbating health equities, health inequities, excuse me. Uh, lack of diversity in trials also limits the understanding of how a product medication or therapy will perform in different types of patients. What we're trying to do with our new initiative is focus on reducing both existing and emerging barriers to clinical trial access for underrepresented minorities and expand on our company's focus to enhance diversity within its own clinical trials. We're also trying to build training, education, and a research infrastructure needed to support diversity enrollment within clinical trials. The new initiative aims to overcome traditional barriers to expanding diversity in trials and ultimately improve health outcomes in more communities. You mentioned healthcare access and inequities, um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts a little bit more on that. You know, we, we know that the COVID pandemic shone a light on the, some of these disparities in healthcare among communities of color and lower incomes. And so how is Abbott working to address some of these disparities? Well, let me, let me just highlight, if you don't mind, Julie, some of our commitments. First, we had we made some commitments with this clinical trial initiative to to fund scholarships right for future trial leaders 
through partnerships with HBCU medical schools, Charles Drew College of Medicine, Howard College of Medicine, Meharry College of Medicine, and the Morehouse School of Medicine, alongside the National Black Nurses Association, the National Association of Hispanic Nurses, we've dedicated $5 million to fund nearly 300 scholarships over the next five years. The scholarships will support the next generation of minority nurses, doctors, and researchers who will lead and support clinical trials. And this is important because increasingly minority doctors and nurses will support a more diverse trial landscape. And, and that leads to new trial sites and, com and communities that need them all across the US, and that helps to reduce healthcare disparities. We've established a new medical advisory board with a group of diverse and leading independent doctors, researchers, educators, health advocates from all over the nation. Um, the board will work in close coordination with our leaders as we develop um, more inclusive clinical trial action plans across research and development programs in all of our business units. The experts will help us uh, by reviewing some of our study design and protocols for more diverse enrollment, but also provide guidance on working with new trial investigators and sites and counsel on ways that we can reduce barriers to access among underrepresented communities. We've dedicated internal funding to improve access to our clinical trials. Abbott, Abbott will dedicate several million dollars annually just to improve access for women and underrepresented communities within our own trials. The internal funding will support trial sites for select Abbott trials, new investigator training, opportunities, and trial components to eliminate barriers to participation. We're also trying to convene a wide range of stakeholders to understand and publish a perspective to support startups, industry, and academia on how they can do better. We'll gather viewpoints, insights, and feedback from external experts, trialists, patient advocates around how industry can improve diversity in clinical trials. These insights, combined with discussions from, from various panels and industry roundtables, they will support the publication of an industry perspective paper to align the industry around effectively improving diversity enrollment. Now you're right, Julie, the COVID pandemic um, really shined a light on the disparities that are out there in healthcare. And part of fulfilling our purpose to help people live more fully through better health includes addressing these disparities and inequities. Far too often, people's health is determined by where they live, the social and economic challenges they face in their daily lives, things like poverty, racism, limited access to healthcare, education, and or opportunity. And quite frankly, the numbers are striking, they're disappointing, and um, they're sad. Communities of color and low-income Americans are five times more likely to report poorer health. They have higher rates of physical limitation, heart disease, diabetes, stroke, 
and in a variety of other chronic conditions. Change is needed, and we are committed to helping close the gap in health access and equity. It's, key, it's a key priority for us. It's a key priority in our 2030 sustainability plan. And this includes designing access and affordable uh, life-changing technologies and working side by side by communities that we serve to address these disparities and remove the barriers. And we've been doing this for years, whether or not it's working to advance racial equity and, and support underserved communities, we, we do it primarily uh, with health and STEM education. Um, we've done it with our high school STEM program. We've done it with uh, a variety of things. But if I give you an Austin example, um, in Austin, Texas earlier this year, Abbott and the American Heart Association announced a multi-year effort to reduce high blood pressure and chronic diseases affecting historically underserved local communities. And we know a partnership like this that can provide educational resources, support self-monitoring devices for high blood sugar and glucose levels, these things work. So we're we're focused on we're we're focusing on on doing it within um, within Austin with with community health centers in Austin and partnership with the American Heart Association. And our goal is to reach at least 46,000 Central Texas patients, including at least 30,000 who are uninsured or eligible for Medicaid and considered to be high risk. Michael, thank you for sharing this. It, it's This is important stuff. It sounds uh, certainly sounds like Abbott is on the forefront of inclusion and all of their programs. Um, I'm really happy we're spotlighting this today. Yeah, and and we're 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 doing our very best. But I think what what our industry could benefit is more uh, the contribution of more to this really important effort of health disparities and health inequities. Um, it affects all of our communities. And uh, a great CEO here at Abbott once said, I think we all do a lot better when we're all just a little bit more healthy. Yeah. This isn't a, um, health should not be for the rich or the poor. It is it's something that we all can benefit from. Yeah. Right. We all do better when we can um, contribute to our fullest. And we know health is a precursor to that. Yeah, I agree. It's health is health is paramount. And it's one of the reasons why we 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 chat with industry leaders, because it's all elements of healthcare are essential. And kind of along those same lines, I wanted to switch gears a little and I know that you've worked in healthcare and at Abbott for a long time, almost 23 years, and you've had the opportunity to work here in the U.S. and really all over the world with Abbott. I wanted to see what your advice would be to candidates starting out in the medical device sector. You know, I fell in love with medical device working in an orthopedic business in Austin, Texas. There are these wonderful things about being in medical devices. It's competitive. Um, the proximity to patients is tremendous. To people that use your products is, is amazing. 
the the innovation cycles sometimes allow you to bring bring opportunity to to help improve someone's life oftentimes faster than maybe a a pharmaceutical product can so as i think about the the advice that i would give someone it would be get involved speak to speak start speaking to patients and really understand your products and when you start to do that when you you can get excited and jazzed about the people that you're going to be helping and supporting uh, and and you understand how the technology can best improve someone's life then it becomes probably a reward that you've never dreamed or imagined could be. You know, you have now a person that maybe has extended their life for a long time so that they can spend, spend needed time with loved ones. You have uh, opportunities where um, people with chronic diseases uh, will we'll have a chance to walk again. Um, maybe people that are in deep pain will find some relief. Yeah, I, I would tell someone that's interested in getting involved to speak to someone, to get to know patients, to understand how their strengths and abilities can allow them to contribute. And then I tell them, consider Abbott. If you want to have an impact, consider Abbott. We are a company that's values-driven and committed to that, that type of impact in people's lives. And I see it every single day. I've seen it for 23 years. And I've seen these values lived out um, in, over, in affiliates around the globe. You know, I, I, I mentioned I feel blessed to be at this company. I've had a chance to, to visit roughly 50 different Abbott affiliates all around the world. And these values that we have around pioneering, you know, we all get to be pioneers. We all get to do the work that we do a little bit better every time we do it. This idea of achieving, uh, the value, I should say, of achieving, you know, keeping our commitments to each other and to other stakeholders. This, uh, this value of caring, caring for each other, caring for the communities in which we live in, caring for the people we serve. And this value of enduring, this, this idea of creating permanence for our company because when, our, when we do things in a sustainable way, we know we have this opportunity to help people for years and years to come. Yeah, I, I've seen these values running like a red thread in all of the businesses, all the locations that I've had a chance to work with. Sometimes we, we use different words for them, but they're there. And when you have that and uh, this commitment and this wonderful history of over 130 years, yeah, there's, there's great opportunity to have huge impact. And um, those would be my thoughts on someone approaching the medical device sector.
I, I love that you talked about your passion for, you know, medical technology, um, you know, and, and how being in Austin and working together at Abbott Spine back in the day um, really brought, you know, brought that to the forefront. And that's why Amy and I do what we do. We love it. You know, we love the innovation and the the excitement of it and, and frankly, the opportunity to really change people's lives. So we appreciate appreciate you saying that. You know, one of the things that is impacting the medical device sector and way beyond is this idea of the great resignation and how, you know, people, um, you know, as part of the pandemic or outside of it, we don't really know the exact reasons, but a lot of people are leaving their roles and, and moving on. And so, you know, I know that talent acquisition has got to be, um, you know, an ongoing you know, concern for every company in the med tech space, but I'm, you know, wondering if Abbott is doing anything, um, you know, new, unique, or different to try to address some of the challenges that, you know, I'm certain you're facing as part of this, you know, shift in the workforce. You know, uh, thanks for the question. It, it's true that it is an ongoing concern, this idea of hiring and, and identifying fantastic talent for uh, our organization. And I'm lucky. I work with a fantastic talent acquisition team here at Abbott. This year, they've hired record numbers of employees globally. Um, but I would say that uh, it hasn't actually been because of the great resignation. We've hired record numbers of employees because our business has continued to grow significantly. And, you know, one thing that we don't often talk about is that uh, one way that we create new opportunity is by having uh, successful businesses that grow, right? Because businesses that don't, don't grow don't create opportunity for, and, and, and businesses that don't grow the right way, especially don't create opportunity for people, whether or not it's your own employees or the people that you serve. Now, when we start thinking about the great resignation, I think it's important to think about it in the context of um, where were we in 2019, where things felt the way they used to be. And as we look across Abbott globally, our attrition levels aren't where they were in 2019. They're actually lower. And we think that is because of the human the human capital practices, the, the people practices that we've had at this company, um, the values that we try to live at, at this company, and our willingness to provide support to people um, in times of need. So uh, an example I would give is around flexibility. You know, Abbott has um, been focused on flexibility uh, for quite some time. It was It's actually been so important to us that we went ahead and uh, codified it through a company policy um, over 10 years ago. Um, now the pandemic happened and uh, we knew it was time for some updating. It was a chance to update and provide perspective in, in this new world of work, as well as it make clear how we feel about it, our values around it. And we tried to educate our managers and our employees about the variety of different flexible work options that may be available to them. 
We've also tried to provide benefits to them in a way that uh, meet them exactly where they are or, or support them with what they may need. So we've noticed that our employees, um, you know, when you get that call at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning that, hey, we've had um, someone test positive for COVID in, in your kid's class, we would like your, your child to quarantine. I have two children. I know that feeling. Uh, sometimes you need emergency child care. So we worked with uh, child care organizations across the nation, uh, some very traditional, some untraditional, to provide child care resources, emergency child care resources to our employees that may need them. We've also tried to help employees in this environment with some unique, other unique offerings. Um, we knew that when it was hard to find staples, right, things like toilet paper, paper towels, um, uh, heck, even preparing for uh, a holiday dinner, uh, as, in, as shortages happened, we looked to support our employees with what they needed. So, you know, our manufacturing sites had to keep running. They provide essential nutritional products to people. Our manufacturing sites on medical devices had to keep running because it may mean a stent that needs to be placed in someone's heart. And we, we need that for an emergency procedure. So we brought that stuff to them. If they needed someone to do the shopping to get um, a, a Easter dinner or a Thanksgiving dinner or something, we, we did our very best to get some of that things, to bring some of those things to their manufacturing site as best as we could. And uh, I'll never forget the note that I got from uh, one of those employees that said, I can't believe it. I couldn't find toilet paper at the, the grocery store, but my company was able to get it for me. Um, it's, it makes you realize how much those little essentials can make a difference in our day-to-day -day lives. So yeah, I, I think the great resignation is, is something that many companies are, are dealing with, trying to address. I, I'm pleased to say at Abbott that our people practices uh, have helped us navigate this in a way that allows us to, to come out of come out on the other side in a pretty positive way because we know so many people depend on the work that we do. And um, yeah, I think that's how we're addressing it. Oh, wow, Michael, thank you so much for your fantastic comments. I, I was just listening and taking it all in and um, there's a lot of good, a lot of great and insightful thoughts that, um, that you shared with us and uh Wow, I'm just really, I'm really excited to, to, that, that we had a chance to speak and we can share your messages today. We do have one final question for you, um, sort of a fun question. <laughs> Since you are here with us on the Morning Fix podcast, we would love to know how you get your day started and what you do for your Morning Fix. Wow, that's a really good one. Well, there's, there's, um, there's there's two or three things that I do. Um, the first is if I can wake up early, I I do my very best to try to exercise. And lately I've been on a Peloton kick. So 
So I uh, am doing 30 or 45 minute rides in the morning if, if I can. The second thing I do is I say a prayer um, just to, to get my mind right uh, and to, to just get my perspective, uh, enlarge my perspective on what I want to try to accomplish in my day. And then the third thing is something, it's really like this thing I try to make sure I don't do, okay? Um, and it's look at my cell phone. I try not to look at my cell phone until I'm walking in the door at the office. And the reason why is during that time, right, that I'm writing on the Peloton, I'm saying a prayer, I'm thinking about my day. And when I look at my cell phone, that actually changes my perspective on the day. You know, see, during that first hour, during that 30-minute ride, during that prayer, it's it's where I'm trying to say, what are the most important things that I need to accomplish? The things that are going to help the most people, the things where I'm going to support my colleagues, the things that I, I need to address. When I look at my cell phone, I'm oftentimes on someone else's agenda instead of trying to shape or create my own. So that's how I, I handle my morning. Of course, I get uh, a cup of coffee, I take some vitamins, uh, and, and then uh, get my kids ready, and we're off. Wow, that gets another wow. <laughs> I love that answer. That is so inspiring. So inspiring. And um, I think that I think our listeners will enjoy that. I think when they listen to these interviews, they they try to find bits of information that help them. And that is certainly one of them. So thank you. 